Matthew 22, verse 36. And when you get there, say amen. Okay. And, you know, as we were worshiping God, I always ask him, is there anything that I need to say? Is something I can put out there that he wants me to say? And I, I want to say this about what we're teaching today. Now, listen to what I'm saying real carefully. And you can't get past it if you live in America, really, if you live in any place in the world. America just has some elections, right? Well, as I was up here worshiping, I was thinking about people I know, people that go to this church and Christians get in division and fight each other about which party's in or which party's not, all the kind of goofy stuff going on about politics. If you're fighting about politics all the time, how are you going to walk in the love of God to be able to share the love of Christ with people? He never, he never called us to preach politics. He called us to preach Jesus. Talk about Jesus. Anyway, here's what I was thinking what I'm getting to is this. We've been married 34 years. We've seen one party rise and one party fall. We've seen another politician rise, another politician fall. But something that has never changed in all of our 34 years as marriage is God's love for us. And our love for other people with what he's given us to love them with. And so sometimes we like the ones that we're in, sometimes we didn't, but we always loved Jesus. Jesus always loved us. And so I said that to get this one thing that the Lord told me at the altar a while ago when we were worshiping is this. Our stability and our security has never been in politicians. It's never been in our jobs. It's never been in people. Our stability... And I'm saying this for you to get a hold of this. If you're messed up right now because you think, well, my guy lost or you're gloating because my guy won, throw that in the trash can. Jesus already fought the battle. And the world thought Jesus lost when he died. But when he died, he died so he could win. And when he won, he won for you. And he won for me. Jesus defeated Satan because Jesus was the love of God. Love got on that cross. And I heard it said this way before. Nails didn't hold Jesus to that cross. Love held Jesus to that cross. And so that love, that love is your stability. And so if you will not allow yourself to take your focus off Jesus and his love, you'll be stable no matter what goes on in the political arena. Jesus is your stability. And so... With that love, we have raised eight children with that love of God. Sometimes we had one party in, sometimes one party out. Sometimes we cried because somebody got elected we didn't like. Sometimes we laughed because somebody elected we did like. But the whole thing was, that never was our stuff. To me, it was like watching a ball game. You know, some of you guys are really into baseball, football, basketball, and things like that. Well, your team wins, but what did that do for your salvation? Your team lost. What would that do for your marriage? You know, that stuff doesn't really matter. What matters is that Jesus will help you raise your children. Jesus will provide for your children. Jesus will heal your children. Jesus will cause your marriage to be healthy if you look to Jesus. Jesus is the answer for everything. And so for us, we have, we've, we've pioneered churches. We've pastored churches. We've done a lot of things with different churches. We've had church people come. We've had church people leave. We've had people say, Pastor, we're behind you. And we looked back and thought, man, they must really be behind us. I don't see them. And so through all those things, we always looked at the fact that Jesus is the one that called us. Jesus is the one that anointed us. 
Jesus is the one that's going to bless us, and Jesus is the one that's going to help us. And so we went on and did what God wants to do, and we're not failures in life. We're successes not because we're so smart, but because we look to Jesus, and Jesus never fails. His love always works. And so I just want to really make sure you get that in your heart today. No matter what's going on with your job life, no matter whether you like or dislike the elections or what goes on, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, loves you. He died for your sins. He was raised from the dead. Anything you need in life, Jesus will provide for you if you learn the things we're going to talk about today about the love of God. Amen. Somebody give the Lord a hand. And so, Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 and uh, verse 35, (laughs) I don't even like to read it. Because there's a lawyer in it. I know there's good Christian lawyers, but I saw these lawyers in the Bible. They're all the time trying to set Jesus up, just like lawyers do people today. And so this lawyer says to try to set him up and trip him up with words. But verse 36, he said, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And so he's talking about the Ten Commandments because the New Testament wasn't written yet. So he asked Jesus, say, hey, which one, which one of the Ten Commandments, Jesus, is the greatest? And then verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And so Jesus said the number one and greatest commandment is to love God. He said the number one greatest commandment is to love God. And when you look at that heart, soul, and mind, he's talking about your spirit, your soul, is your mind, will, and emotions. At all your being, everything you've got, love him with your money, love with everything you got. And I think about, I was thinking about Mrs. Pastor, we got married 34, 34 years ago. Uh, that's a covenant. Marriage is a covenant. So when we got married, I loved her with everything I've got. All my paycheck became her paycheck. And a good thing about my bills come her bills too. She minds that sometimes, but we don't talk about that part. We took care of that. But anyway... What I'm saying is, I loved her. It was unconditional. And that's what God said. Jesus said, the greatest thing is love God unconditional. You love God with everything you've got. You love God with your soul. You love God with your mind. You love God with everything. And we want to talk about how to do that just a little bit as we're going through the things. But he said, that's the number one greatest thing. How many would believe that? That that's the number one greatest thing in life that we need to do is love God. (laughs) Had to love Jesus. But then notice Jesus didn't stop there. In verse 39, he said, The second commandment is like the first. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And so Jesus said the number two is to love people. Love people. And, you know, as you, as you begin to know, to know the Word of God, as you begin to understand, and we're going to talk about some things, the nature of God now listen to this, I'm going to say something that may, it may sound really, really, really like a joke to you if you haven't walked in this, but God judges how you love Him by how you treat people. That's not in my notes. But Jesus said this second commandment is equal to the first commandment. He said the number one greatest is love God. But then this guy didn't ask him for, what's the two greatest? And the guy said, what's the greatest, Jesus? And Jesus said, well, number one, love God. But then number two, just like it, love people. 
That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Somebody said, well, I can't stand people. Well, you can't stand God then. People are made in his image. Somebody said, well, yeah, most people are mean. What, did you ever think it might be your filter? <laughs> did you ever think your mirror might be dirty? <laughs> you know, you look at the mirror, and you never washed your mirror for a long time, and think, man, how, co- how, how come I always look so dirty? I don't feel dirty. Well, wash your mirror off, you'll see better. Well, sometimes you need to wash your spiritual eyes off with the Word of God. And you look at people around you. You know, I think about, think about sunglasses. Has anybody, I've done this before, has anybody ever had a pair of sunglasses on, forgot you had them on, walked into a building, said, man, why they got it so dark in here? And your son or your wife or somebody looks over at you and says, well, take your sunglasses off. You go, oh, wow. <laughs> like that. Well, see, that's just like people. Oh, I hit all the bunny trails sometimes, but praise God, bunny trails are good. People need to hear them. You know, I've had people come into a church like this before that had a bad, bad attitude on life, said, boy, that's the most judgmental, critical church I've been to in my life. And it's the same people said, I don't like the music, I don't like the seats, I don't like the preacher, I don't like, those people are judgmental. Well, it might be you, (laughs) ma'am. You might be the one, because you're the one saying that. 99 others said, this is the most loving church, the most caring church. These people that are really love people, you can sense it when you come in. It depends on how you're looking at things. And so we have to realize That Jesus said the number one thing that's going to please God is loving him. They said what's equal to that is how you love people. It's how you show God that's how you love him. Amen. 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 Has anybody ever heard the saying that uh, in our lives you may be the only Jesus your neighbor ever sees? You may be the only Jesus your fellow employee ever sees? Well, that's because we as Christians represent God. And if people are mean, judgmental, always complaining, putting down on other people, then they're going to, as you say you're a Christian, then they're going to equate that with God. Well, God must be like this person because they say they belong to him, and that's how they are, so that must be how God is. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And so when we're people that we're patient, we're kind, we're loving, we treat people decent, whether they act nice or not, then people look and say, wow, that must be how Jesus is because they say belong to him. That's how they're treating me. Amen. Amen. So I think you can see why Jesus would say the seconds like it. Because God's in heaven and Jesus is in heaven. Of course, by the Spirit, he lives in our hearts. But we're down here. And so we're the ones they see. So look at this next verse then. He said this. On these two commandments hang all the law And the prophets, the Ten Commandments and the Old Testament uh, scriptures, he said everything, everything revolves around how you love people and how you love God. So if we want our Christian faith to work effectively, we must learn and make it our highest priority of how to love God and people. And that's what we want to do. And so as I knew the Lord wanted me to minister on the love of God I prayed and meditated on a lot of scriptures, and I really didn't realize, I don't think, at least hadn't thought about it for a while, how much the New Testament teaches on love. I mean, that, it seems to me as I read it and thought about which direction should I, go, should I go with this, that, man, all I saw through every epistle, every gospel, was loving Jesus, loving God, 
at loving people, loving people, loving people, love your neighbor, love your neighbors, love yourself, love your, love your neighbor like I've loved you, and all these different things. And so anyway, I just want to jump in and go because Jesus said our whole Christian life revolves around loving God and loving people. So I'm just going to go, and i got some notes written down, and if I stick with them, we do, and if we don't, we don't, then you can pray and get the answers for your blanks. Amen? Or ask Mrs. Pastor. She knows it all. Uh, the first thing we must always know is that when the Bible tells us to do something, it'll tell us how to do it. It'll equip us, empower us to do it. So when Jesus says from the Ten Commandments to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our strength, and to love people, then the Bible's going to equip us to love people. And we're going to look at those kind of things about how to do that. But I want to go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Can you imagine what the world around you would be like if more Christians started loving like Jesus said to love? God can imagine what it would be like because John 3.16 said it. He said, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so he can, imagine, he can imagine what that would be like. And I look at our nation, I look at our state, look at the jobs you work at, look at the grocery stores you shop at, just look around you and just imagine if people started treating each other like they treat Jesus. Now I'll tell you, that, that would spread. If that began to spread, that would change a whole lot of things in our nation. Amen. You know what? That's the will of God. The will of God is for Christians to start acting like Christians. Amen. You know, I think about I think about something. I'll, like I said, I'll hit bunny trails because I do, and sometimes these outlines limit me because I think I have to get back to the outline. But I'm thinking about the love of God compared to some Christians today. Do you remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, and his enemy, the Roman soldier, came up? Is going to take him. And then Peter, one of his right-hand men, pulled out the sword, chopped the guy's ear off. Thought he was doing something good. Well, the love of God reached down, picked up that ear. Said, sir, be thou healed. Now take him to the cross and kill me. <laughs> you think about that. And so we as Christians need to be slower at pulling out the verbal swords. Need to be slower at being critical and judgmental of those in authority. We need to be quicker to say, I want to pray for you. Be quicker to say, man, I know what you're doing. is something I really don't want. But I'll give you that dime for that stupid bag. <laughs> you can't blame the cashiers. I'm just saying, so many little things get people ticked off in life. We need to quit letting those little things bother us. Amen. I'm just, you know, I'm just thinking about right now, so many people are so upset about the little stupid bag for a dime. But the whole thing is, sometimes you have to adjust your thinking. And why hit the cashier over? It's not her fault. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Amen. So we're talking about the love of God. That if we walk walking this morning, First John four. I want you to see something here. It says, "Beloved, let us love one another." 
For love is of God. And so if love's of God, what's the opposite of love? Hate. What's the opposite of God? The devil. So where's hate come from? Devil. How about unforgiveness? From the devil. How about losing the temper? From the devil. How about verbal abuse? And all those things. He said, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And so if you're born again, love is in you. Everyone loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God. Now, here's what I want you to see. For God is love. I circled that in my Bible. I put yellow through it. God is love. God is love. And this whole passage is good, but for the point I want to make here, I want you to look at verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. I circled that in red, and I put yellow through it, because when I see things that the Bible really emphasizes, I want them to jump off at me when I open up my Bible again. And so the Bible says very plainly, God is love. And he that dwelleth or liveth in love lives in God and God in him. So it says when you're walking in love, you're walking in God and God's walking in you. It says when you're treating people with the love of God, then you're treating God with love. And God through you is treating them with love. There's so many ways you can look at that verse there. But the bottom line is, he said, if you want to walk with God, you walk in his love. If you want to love God, you love people with his love. And so it doesn't just say that, uh, that God loves. It says God's nature and character and everything he is, is love. God is love. Every fiber, every part of God's being is love. God is love. And so with that, I want you to look at that little paper I gave you. The Lord uh, added this to me when I was studying this morning. I want you to look at that little paper, 1 Corinthians 13. Got it coming up on the screen. And if God is love, then I want to read you this from what we call the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to read this Amplified Bible. But I'm going to do something here. And this isn't just doing an injustice to this. It's just what the Bible says. God is love. So if we say love endures long and God's love, we say God endures long. Does that sound like God? Did God endure long with you? Does God still put up with stuff out of you for a long time before you finally get it together? It says love endures long and is patient and kind. And so I want to say it this way. God endures long and is patient and kind because God is love. And think about what I've said. Doesn't that sound like the character of God? Is God patient and kind? How many here have ever done, I don't know what else to call them, uh, except how many has ever done dumb butt things? You ever been a dumb butt? Okay. Well, when you are, aren't you glad that God endures long and is patient and kind with you? And you know you're being stupid. You know you're being stupid. You know you're being stupid. And you're hoping and praying that judgment doesn't come down on you, that something bad doesn't happen to you. Well, you know what God's doing? God's looking on the inside of you at your heart. God's looking at your dumbness. God's looking at your stubbornness. And God is love. And so, love is a during long, being patient and kind with you. That's because God is love. So God's a during long, and being patient and kind with you. As that tells me, 
If we're going to love God and love people, we need to start doing a little bit of enduring, long, being patient and kind. Because we're walking in God and God's walking in us, we're going to walk in love. And love's going to walk in us. So that means, that means that on our jobs, and something I learned years and years and years ago, back in the early 80s, when I was a truck driver, I had a route in downtown Indianapolis. And man, I'll tell you what, I had some mean people I had to deal with some of those businesses there. And then some of them sometimes I couldn't find out a witness to them. They were Christians and went to church. They were just mean people. And I'd love them. I was, well, I'm a Christian. I go to church. <laughs> I'm like, wow. You could never convince me. I thought you went home to the devil every day. But what I'm saying is this. I come to find out that when I endured long and was patient and kind with those people, when I said good morning and they cussed me, and the next day I come back for another delivery, I said good morning again and they cussed me, I found out after a while they started changing where they start saying good morning back to me. Things begin changing. But if they cussed me and I cussed them, or if I did, some truck drivers did. Now, truck drivers probably don't do this in California, but center truck drivers did. Deanna sometimes would kick their boxes off the truck before they got there, bust them up before they give them a box. We wouldn't do that in California, though. Truck drivers get even in ways. You ever heard about the restaurants or somebody spits in your soup or something? Well, truck drivers can mishandle the goods too. Nobody knows it until they're going. And so what I'm saying is this, that we endure long, had a patient and kind, but if it wasn't a truck driver that endured long to be patient and kind, you mean to him, that might mess up your stuff. Don't look at me like that. Some of you have been that way before. <laughs> Amen. And you know the thing about it? Because God has me preaching today, this today, some of you are that way still. Somebody said, well, the only verse I ever read is, I don't get mad, I get even. That's not a verse. That's something some sinner said. You're living that way because you never read your Bible all the way through. Christians don't, don't get even. Christians forgive. And so what I'm saying is this. Some of those customers I had was used to people being mean all the time. So when I came in and went the extra mile and I loved them and I endured long, was patient and kind with people that weren't that way to me, they began to change. I got to pray for some of them. I got to meet some of their families. I got to minister to some of their people in the hospitals. They see there's a Christian truck driver comes to my place, and Mom, could he come out to the hospital and pray for you? This guy's real. And so that's what opened up those doors for some of the meanest people. And you know what I found over the years? Here's the point I'm getting to. I found out. I found out that the meanest people were the hurtless people. They didn't just get up and say, well, I go in today to my job. I'm going to see... I hope Norma shows up again. I can't wait till Norma gets here. I just can't wait to be mean to Norma. No. What that person on this side is thinking, that Norma's such a sweet girl. Oh, I'm going to bite my lip today. But then there's some mad at the world. Norma shows up. She's the first target, so she gets the whole volley. And it wasn't because they hated Norma. It's because they hate themselves. And they hate life. And so as long as Norma keeps being sweet, there's going to come a point in time that this person's going to change. And so I'm saying this to you. You've got to stop and realize everybody is not sweet and perfect like you are. Everybody doesn't come home every night and totally love their family like you love yours. Everybody isn't so nice where they're at the line. And you got the one item. 
and the lady with the two cartfuls of stuff jumps in front of you, and you stand there, hold your one item, and you're thinking, like that. No, everybody's not like you are. We know we're joking, right? And so the whole thing is, when you go in, and they unload on you, and you treat them nice anyway, then one thing, the love of God through you is going to be ministered to them, but at the same time, you're sowing seed to where you're going to be in a position where you're having a bad day, and you're mean, and you're ugly. And then somebody else is going to come to you and extend kindness to you because that's what you sow is kindness. So things are going to come back to you. Amen? Our life is what we sow is what we reap. And so anyway, 1 Corinthians 13 says, God is love. Love endures long, patient, kind. Love or God never is envious. No balls over jealousy. God's not jealous about the house you live in. God's, je- God's not jealous because your kids got new toys for Christmas and his didn't. What about, I'm talking about things people deal with every day. God's not jealous because you got to supersize your hamburger and you got cheese on it. I'm just looking at people in life, the things that people get messed up about. God doesn't care. And so why should you care if you got the love of God in you, what somebody else was able to do? You ought to just rejoice and just praise God that's able to do it. It says that God is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display himself haughtily. God is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. God's not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Well, I'll tell you what, right there's the one that'll jerk a knot in your tail. Rude, unmannerly, acting unbecomingly. Well, I'll tell you what, every time I'm in traffic and the dumb guy shows up in my car, who's the dumb guy? That's the one driving the car with his men. I get dumb. Those times are less and less and less and less. I realize Love does not act unbecomingly. Love is not rude and unmannerly. And so I begin to change how I'm driving then. And so what am I doing? I'm telling you how to love with the love of God. When you begin to recognize that God's in you and you're in God, every time you start acting those ways, you're going to realize, wait a minute, this is not loving people how God would love people. Because God is love and God's in me. And so if I'm being rude and unmannerly like that, that's not the love of God. Somebody said amen or oh me. Amen. And so anyway, we go, I'll just look at a couple more things and you got that paper to take home with you and look at it. But anyway, love, God's love in us does not insist on its own rights or its own way. That's an owie. God's love, God does not insist on its own rights or its own way. That means that if God's love's in me, I don't always get it my way. You don't always get it your way if God's love's in you. And I'm thinking about it. Just think about this. If God insisted on his own rights or its own way, there'd probably be $10,000 that's offered this morning because everybody here would tithe. Wow, what we couldn't do now. If God insisted, everybody tithe. If God insisted, everybody go to church, this church would be wall-to-wall people. Every church in this city would be wall-to-wall people if God insisted on it. And so God lets us know in the Bible it's good to go to church. It's right to tithe. It's right to love people. He doesn't insist on it, though. And so we have to realize as Christians we cannot be people over the head of our religion. 
I want to say that again. We can't beat people over the head with our religion. We've got to let people know it's a good thing to go to church. And let people know it's for your benefit to tithe. Let people know. You know what? Uh, the problem may not be those last 16 husbands you had. It may be that you're the problem. You know, I cannot tell you how many times I've been in the office and people come in needing spiritual guidance. Well, that's what we call counseling. The world calls it counseling. We call it spiritual guidance because the best guidance we get from the Word of God, what the Word of God has to say, that's what counts. So somebody comes in. I've had this happen before. I remember one lady back in Indiana. She come in and I'm going to marry this dude. And she immediately starts talking about the last five she had, what duds they were. And I just looked her right in the eye. And I said, do you ever consider the problem might be you? She got up and walked out and never buried the guy. I left him sitting. <laughs> I said, well, hey, man, if you're a five-time loser, maybe you're doing something wrong. And so what am I saying? I'm saying that sometimes you have to judge yourself and look at yourself through the eyes of love. You have to make some changes yourself. And I think about, I think about the job thing. You know, I've known people that had a testimony 15 times in one year, how God gave them favor for the new job. And then they got this new job, and this same dud boss they got now, just like the last dud boss they had the last job. And then the same boss said, well, what do these guys keep doing to you? They want me to come in on time. I think, well, that's reasonable. Well, you ought to come in on time. Well, what else do these guys keep doing you so bad? They want me to work every day, and i got issues. I think, well, the customers want to buy the product every day. They want somebody to make the product. They want somebody to sell the product. They want somebody to help deliver the product. So it would probably be nice if you show up on time and you go to do your job. Well, yeah, but this is my 15th job. God always gives me another job. Well, <laughs> I don't know what to say for you, except God wants us to become stable in his love and in loving people and start recognizing that sometimes we cannot have it our way all the time. We have to make some adjustments. And there's a Bible word that some Christians think is a cuss word. It's called submission. Submit to those in authority over you. That would be the police. That would be the legal system. That would be your employer. That would be the pastor's. That would be people that's in control of the areas that you submit. But at the same time, when you're a person that learns how to walk in Bible authority, then people submit to you whatever your authority is. Amen or oh me. Amen. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. And so anyway, you go down through this. It's really good. God is not touchy or fretful or resentful. He takes no account of the evil done to him, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. And so anyway, let's just give you an idea what it means when First John says that God is love. Now, I want you to just lay that aside now, and we'll get back to our outline. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So can you see from that Bible definition what the love of God is? That fits God very much so, that that's how God is. He takes no account of the evil done to him. He pays no attention to a suffered wrong. God's ever ready to be the best of every person. And so... If we're going to, Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God and to love God's people, then we need to start getting some of these characteristics going in our life. Amen? 2 Corinthians 
We're going to talk to you about how he's equipped us. Therefore, if any man, any person be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new, and all things are of God. All things are of God. It's talking about our spirit, talking about inner man, that when we become born again, new creatures in Christ, our innermost being changes, our heart changes, our spirit changes. So as born-again believers, we receive a brand-new nature on the inside. I like to say it this way. At the new birth, we receive God's DNA, God's divine nature and ability. At the new birth, we change. Before people are born again, they have the nature of fallen man, the nature of Adam when he fell. They have the nature of the devil, dark nature. But we're born again, we receive the nature of light, the nature of love. God's nature. And so if you're a born-again Christian, you have God's DNA, and God is what? God is love. You've got love on the inside of you, but you've got to start making a conscious effort to let that love work through you and control you. You must start telling yourself, I endure long and I'm patient and kind because God lives in me. I take no account of the evil done to me. I pay no attention to a suffered wrong. I'm ever ready to be the best of every person because God lives in me. I've got God's DNA. I can love like God's love because I have God's DNA. And so if we're truly born again, we can love uh, God and we can love people every day just like he does because our new spirit man has the love nature of God, our new spirit man. Lay your hand right there. You, You said spiritual things on the inside of you. And just close your eyes and say this. Say, thank you, Father, that I have your nature. I'm born again. I love you, and you love me, and I can love you with your love. I can love people with your love. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God, and the next one is to love people. I want to thank you, Lord. I have your nature, and I can love with your love. Amen. Amen. Doesn't that make you feel good right on the inside to know you can do that? Know you can love people? Well, I want you to look then at Romans chapter 5 about that new nature. Romans chapter 5. Verse 5. says this, hope makes us not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. The love of God has filled our hearts. The love of God has been poured into our hearts. We have God's love nature in us. That's a Bible fact. That's not something you have to pray about. That's something that's a reality. When you were born again, the nature of hatred left you. The nature of love come into you. You are equipped. You have God's DNA. You have God's ability. You have God's ability to love people. God's love is in your heart. There's a difference between the love of man and the love of God. There's, the Bible teaches several different kinds of love. One kind of love the Bible teaches is called phileo love. And that's brotherly love. Philadelphia, come after that word phileo, the city of brotherly love. Well, brotherly love 
is this. Like, say for our marriage, I'll tell you what, as long as she treats me right today, I'm going to treat her right. As soon as it starts, the fight's on. Well, she got up today and treated me nice, so we had a good day because brotherly love was working. Well, God's kind of love is agape love. The agape love, God says this. God says, today, when Tom gets up, if Tom worships me, I'm going to love Tom. And then God says, if Tom doesn't worship me, I'm going to love Tom. If God forbid Tom got up today and cursed me, I'm going to love Tom. That's what the love of God does. And so when the love of God's in a person instead of phileo love, instead of uh, that phileo love, it's just going to say, you know what? I don't care what Leah acts like today. I'm going to love Leah. But then Leah at the same time, if that agape love says, you know what? I'm going to love just no matter what goes on. I'm going to love, love, love with the agape love. So the agape love, phileo love is two different kinds of love. Phileo treats you right if you treat me right. Agape love going to treat you right no matter what you say, what you do. You can't make me mad at you. I'm going to love you, love you, love you, love you. And so we have to realize that when we got born again, phileo love moved out of here and agape moved in. When agape moved in, it's a choice. And I think about faith, how faith works and how love works. That faith is not a feeling. Faith's a Bible fact. When you, when you get born again, the God kind of faith moves into your heart. You have faith in your spirit, not in your head. I want to say that again. You have faith in your spirit to move mountains, not in your head. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, if we speak the mountain and doubt not in our hearts. And so faith is a spiritual force. Love is a spiritual force. Faith is released by words and actions. Love is released by words and actions. So we have to realize that faith has nothing to do with how spiritual you feel. Faith is what you have in you from God. Love has nothing to do with how you feel. Love's in you whether you feel like it or not. And so it's a choice. It's a choice if you're going to let that love work. If you're going to regress, let the old man rise up again and say, I'm just going to walk in flail today. I don't care. I just don't like it, man. She got up. And I, I just talk by experience after these 34 years, different things back and forth sometimes. That, uh, well, you said it, but you didn't mean it. That's not the real bit. What did you really mean? Well, I really meant it. Or, you know, back to me. Well, yeah, I meant it like that. Well, see, we sometimes let feelings come into our life and we read things into the picture. It's not really there. The love of God the love of God in a marriage, the love of God in a home, always responds like, well, man, I know she didn't really mean that. That's not what she meant. No, he didn't mean that. I know what's going on. He's got pressure on the job. He loves me as much as he always has. It's just the pressure he's dealing with. I'm not going to get offended. I'm just going to pray. That's the difference between agape and phileo. And that's what Jesus said. said the greatest commandment is to love God. Then the second greatest that's equal is to love people. And so God gave us his love in our heart to love people. And so it's our choice if we're going to yield to it or not. And I want to say it again. It says the love of God's in our heart. It's not in our feelings. It's not in our emotions. It's not in our heads. God's love is in our heart, not in our head.
Look at Galatians chapter 5. Verse 22. How many have heard of the fruit of the Spirit? You guys all read about the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, the Bible calls this the fruit of the Spirit. But I, 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 I always think of them as the characteristics of God in a born-again child of God. This is God's characteristics. And when we read these, they actually sound a lot like 1 Corinthians chapter 13 we just read, describing the love nature of God. Because the fruit of the Spirit is the character of God. It's the nature of God. And we have this DNA in us. And so it says the fruit of the Spirit is love. Well, that's one of those duh. God is love. And so if we got the fruit of God's Spirit in us, what's our first fruit as a Christian going to be? Love. And you know, there's so many scriptures that tell that the first evidence of the new birth is love. The very, first, the very first evidence you ever see in a born-again Christian's life is they quit hating. Because God and nature come in, and the first thing you do when you're born again, you show up on the job, and the people, your enemies on the job, you're walking in hugging them. You're walking in saying good morning. You're shaking their hand. You're saying have a good day. Because what happened on the inside, you have new fruit now. You have love on the inside because God's in you. That's automatically what you want to do. And if you don't stifle it, that love's going to grow because fruit grows. How many know that the fruit you pick off a tree doesn't one day appear on there that's full-grown fruit the next day and you pick it off? It develops as it gets sunshine, as it gets water, and things happen. The fruit grows. It gets bigger. It matures. It becomes full-grown fruit where you harvest that fruit and you've got something you can do something with. Well, think about us as Christians. No Christian in this room is fully matured yet in love. Some of us are different phases of this love because we're, we're different levels, but the more that we will exercise this fruit, it grows. The more we read scriptures about this love fruit, it grows. The more we choose, we're going to let this love work in us, the more it's going to grow. And then, you know what I like to say like this sometimes as we look at these different fruits here? Somebody said, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. They're picking on me. I say, good, you're a good fruit then. You pick fruit. <laughs> so if somebody's picking on you, that's a good sign you're growing. That's a good sign the fruit's developing because you're getting picked on. Then there must be something to pick at. Because if you're getting picked on, you pick back, then guess what? You don't have anything yet because fruit doesn't pick back. So the fruit of the Spirit or the characteristics of God in you is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance, that's self-control, Against such, there's no law. And so notice, the first characteristic of a Christian is love. And what's the Bible say about God? God is love. God is love. And so that's the first thing people should notice in your life that meets you is, you know, say, well, I tell you, that Patty and Tom, I tell you, I just love to be around Patty and Tom. There's something about those people. You just get around those people. No, you just sense, you just sense love. You know what they're saying? We sense God. 
because God is love. And so our lives, when they get around Christians, they should get around Christians and uh, say, well, I'll tell you that Michael and Cindy, they're from the same family. Man, that's the people meaner than a junkyard dog. No, they wouldn't say that. These guys walk in love. That's a very loving family. They also have God's in that family. And so, you know, we think about Christians. Somebody said, what's a junkyard dog? <laughs> well, if you ever been around a junkyard, back in Indiana, part of my family owned a great big junkyard in Indianapolis. They had a junkyard dog. And the neighborhood they lived in, it's a good thing they had a junkyard dog. Because they didn't feed the dog very much. They kept him out in the junkyard. Somebody climbed the fence to one was still there. They met the junkyard dog. Because <laughs> he was hungry and he was mean. And so what am I saying? I'm saying Christians, some of them, are meaner than a junkyard dog. You meet a Christian, some of them, they want to bite your head off. Well, that's not the right kind of fruit. They get around you, they shouldn't say, well, I'll tell you what. Don't go around that high desert word center. Well, why do you want to go to the High Desert Word Center? Well, this lady who works down here at this store, and she always tells me she goes to the High Desert Word Center. She's the meanest one in the whole store. She's the meanest lady on our block. None of the kids like her. Nobody likes this lady. So that's, that's, that's really mean people. That shouldn't be what they think about you. They ought to be thinking, wow, if everybody goes to that church and acts like this lady, I want to go to that church. I want to see what it's like. If that church is full of people like this, that's the church I want to go to. And what are we talking about? That new nature in you. God is love. The fruit of God's Spirit in you is love. Romans 5, 5 says that love has filled your heart. And so if love has filled your heart, let love start filling your mouth. Let love start controlling your actions. And then what God is saying is what Jesus said. God said, wow, look that down there. Alexis is loving me today because Alexis is loving my people. Wow. He's up in heaven saying, I want to give Alexis a high five because Alexis went out of her way. Those people around Alexis were still acting stupid, goofy, stupid, goofy like Alexis used to act. And she's not acting that way. <laughs> we all did. This is picking on Alexis today, though. But said so Alexis is loving people. She's being nice to people, being kind to people. And then God said, Wow, that's my daughter. I'm proud of her because those people aren't acting, acting right, but she is, and that's blessing me. Amen? Give the Lord a hand. And so that's what God wants. And so Galatians 5, 6, Galatians 5, 6 says this. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision of anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Faith which worketh by love. Amplified Bible says faith is activated and energized and expressed and works through love. Faith works. Faith works. And so I wrote, I wrote down that love isn't just a noun. It's not just a thing. But love's also a verb. Faith, love is an action. Love's a thing. It's in our hearts. But it's also an action. Faith works. And uh, I like to say it this way, that faith works by love, and love works by faith. Some people, you have to love by faith. I praise God that he loved me by faith. And then I got born again. Amen. And then sometimes, sometimes you have to love God by faith because you don't sense him. It looks like nothing's going right. 
and you want to act like God left you or something like that, he'll never leave you nor forsake you, so you love him by faith. But sometimes you have to love your brother and sister of the Lord by faith. Faith works by love. Love works by faith. And write down this passage. I'm not going to turn to it, but I want you to write it down. James chapter 2, verse 14 to 26. James 2, verse 14 to 26 goes over and over about faith without works is dead. It says, just as a body without a spirit's dead, and we've got people here who worked at the mortuary, we have mortician-type people in here know that they've worked with dead bodies. There's no spirit in it, so it's a dead body. But it says, faith without works is dead. And so it says that faith works by love. And so the, the, the word I'm looking at here is the works. There's another translation. The Bible calls works corresponding actions. Corresponding actions. And so if you're working, you're doing something. You're acting on something. So if faith works by love, those corresponding actions to that love. Faith pleases God. Faith won't work without love. And so that means no matter how great you are in your knowledge of the Bible, no matter how much you watch your mouth to say right things in line with the Bible, if you don't treat people right, your faith's not working because you're not working your faith. How are you working your faith? By your loving people. How do you love people? You endure long with people. You're patient and kind. You take no account of the evil done to you by people. You pay no attention to a suffered wrong. You're ever ready to believe the best of every person around you, no matter how, how goofy they are, no matter how much they're missed it. You're ever ready to say, come on, get up. Come on, get up. Come on, get up. Man, I didn't develop this way overnight. It took me a lot of years to get to where I could walk this way. You can too. I got delivered. You can too. I got the victory. You can too. Instead of being mean to people all the time. That's how faith is working. Faith works by love. Can you see that? Amen. Amen. And so I'll give you a couple examples God gave me about the faith working by love. John 3.16, God had corresponding actions. God so loved the world that what did he do? He gave a son. He acted on his love. But then think about Jesus. Jesus said the number one great commandment is to love God and love people. Well, Jesus acted on his love. Jesus so loved the world and loved God as Father. God sent him. And what did Jesus do? He lived the walk of the sinful world. Then he went to the cross. And Jesus said, no man can take my life. He said, I received it from God. I give it back to God. I go freely to the cross for God. And so what am I saying? Jesus had corresponding actions. He loved God by obeying God. He loved you and me by going to the cross for us. He did something with his love. And so our love, our love is going to have corresponding actions. I'll give you, I'll throw something at you, take home with you and think about this. This is the Christmas year. Praise team got to jump on it, man. I said, it's not December yet, man. We've got all this Christmas stuff coming already, which is good because we're celebrating Christ's birth. But in the Christmas season, your friends, enemies, and loved ones, guard goes down. This is the time, this is the time you can have some corresponding actions and break the ice. This is the time when you've got that maybe mean person in your life, you get a $5 Starbucks card or get a $50 Chili's card or something really, really cost not very much and put it in a card. 
I'd just say, thinking about you, Merry Christmas. i put those corresponding actions out there. This is the time you could even send a text to somebody that hadn't talked for a while and say, I'm thinking about you, Merry Christmas. God bless you. Love you. Make a phone call. Send a Christmas card. Doing something. That's corresponding actions. And if you got this attitude sitting back thinking, well, they did it. They're going to have to talk first. Guess what? You're taking account of the evil done to you. You're not enduring long being patient and kind. Do you want to grow old and have somebody that you've loved before, that in your heart you still love, and get real old? And they think, oh, I wish we'd have talked the last 25 years. God wish some of you would have talked the last 25 years to him. He didn't get tired of waiting on you. He just waited until you did. And so I'm saying this. Take the time this season we're in and we see those faces come to your view in your prayer closet. Say, Lord, what can I do to reach out to them now? What can I do? And if they just ignore you and don't reach back, just say, thank you, Jesus. I tried. I'm praying for them, Lord. Thank you for blessing them. Amen. Well, we'll close it up. I'll just throw these verses at you. First John 4. 18 to 21, you need to feed on verses like these and look at them. And we'll look at our theme verse in here. And then we'll pray for the ones that need pray for. Our theme verse, we see verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. That's what love is all about. He loved us. We love him. We can love people. And so, feed your spirit on verses like these. Confess them in first person. Say that's who you are. That's how you live. It'll be much easier to follow through with actions for others. You can love God and you can love people every day. You can do that. You've got his love in you. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up.